Hi, welcome to episode 14 of our podcast. I'm Alex, one half of The Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. How are you? I'm all right. Well, actually... <laughs> well, I am a bit, but I'm not. No, I'm not either. <laughs> We've like... It's been a bit shit, hasn't it? No, it's been really shit. <laughs> really, 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 really shit. My anxiety has been worse than it's ever been, and I'm really struggling with it, in honesty, and I wanted to talk about my mental health. <laughs> oh, look at your little face. <laughs> Let's talk about your mental health. Right, so I've got all these bad things popping in my head all the time. Right. So... The biggest one is I'm terrified that I'm going to die in my sleep. So every night at the moment, I am lying awake thinking I'm going to die in my sleep. Then I'm starting to think about what if I lose my children, what if something happens to them. Do you know what I dreamt last night? Mm. I dreamt last night that I came on my period, sorry about the graphic detail here, in the night, in a dress... I woke up, I saw the blood on the sheet and on the... I know it's gross, but I've got to tell you. <laughs> I woke up, I saw the blood on the sheet and I saw it on the back of my dress and I went out and people were saying, you need to get changed, you need to get changed. And I was saying, no, I'm not embarrassed by it. But in reality, I would be mortified by yeah. that. But yeah, I'm quite traumatised by that dream. Yeah, but I think not being a dream analyzer <laughs> at all. But could that not be because of quite recently you've been quite open about your miscarriage you've been speaking about it and the thoughts could be there you know you you're doing a lot aren't you you've got a lot going on you've had a lot going on so could it not be just anxieties about that and about you talking about it because it's not something that you've always been so open with before and saying yeah I'm struggling you've always kind of kept that to yourself a little bit so I wonder if that dream relates to that a little bit I think I should be a dream analyst I think you should but I also think that the reason that I'm well it's not only that I'm not only struggling with that I think I'm struggling full stop with everything because as you know I've just volunteered to become an echo speaker so I've got that lined up so I'm probably already not I don't think worrying is the right word because I'm not worried I want to do it yeah I think I'm already worrying about what I'll be saying and the guilt that comes from talking about my childhood when I love my mum and I love my dad and I'm I'm kind of over analyzing that because I want to be able to share my story about my childhood without offending anybody and I think that's going to be really really hard for me to do I think that's definitely where your dreams come from Alex and it's no wonder that you have been feeling like you have but I think a lot of not that I'm a psychiatrist either come on psychiatrist (laughs) Dr Lisa (laughs) but what were we saying before like I think a lot of the stuff that you're going through at the moment is circumstantial like we were saying before about being early 40s yeah and life being like it's different in it like you prepped for life till you're about 40 i think like you go to school college uni well i didn't do that but you did (laughs) (laughs) but like then you prep to have like kids and a family and you know, like, and then you don't learn anything about being 40 and above. Like, what are you supposed to do now? I don't know. I was saying to you, weren't I, that... Not that I am vain. Am I vain? I'm yeah. vain. Yeah, oh my Not God. that I am vain. I can't <laughs> that question. <laughs> Not that I'm vain, but you know, like, you get checked out less. <laughs> I, I hate the fact that I've said that. That sounds really, really, like self-indulgent white vans have stopped beeping they actually haven't <laughs> I, you know what I got checked out in my car the other week but I think I feel like I'm not getting checked out as much you become a bit invisible in your 40s I don't like it I like being centre of attention I'm not happy and you do like it see I kind of like it 
Not because you like yourself in your own bubble. Well, I don't know. It's been a bit funny, my bubble there. Oh, I don't, you know what? I'm going on about me here. And the truth is that you've had a shit time and all, haven't you? Oh, I've had a well bad time. And that's why I feel a bit guilty about my time. Because I've tried to be there for you. You've tried to be there for me. And actually, none of us have been there for each other because we can't. No, we've just had the shittiest time, haven't we? Yeah, you know what I was saying to you earlier? And obviously, it's up to you whether you want to tell people about the shit time you've had, but it has been pretty shit. <laughs> but what I was saying to you earlier, what was I saying to you earlier about, oh, I played through a full a full scenario of me drinking a glass of wine and thinking, I played it right through because actually I thought, you know what, it would be really good right now to just not feel what I'm feeling. That's it. We just want to numb out, don't we, sometimes? And I think I get that. And again, it's learning to live life without that crutch of a glass of wine. And I think sometimes it takes you by surprise and it does take away that numbness. But what you've got to remember, and when you are playing out this thing in your mind, play it out truthfully. Like, what is really going to happen? Like, when you have that first glass, and there's no denying it, it's like, oh, that was nice. It takes away that, you know... the edge. Just the edge. It takes that edge off. But then that goes, that doesn't last all night. You're not like, oh, all night off one glass of wine. All you do then is you try and have another to chase that feeling. Yeah. And and you're just never, ever going to get that feeling. I mean, I suppose what we've got to do is find an alternative way to take the edge off. Because there is ways. I've heard people people talk about them I'm just I'm just not in the bestest place like I reckon a few months ago I could have come up with loads of ideas for you to set the edge off but you know what I, I can't think of anything because I'm so edgy myself well let me tell you this morning no no that I'm lying yesterday morning I actually did my first run since Christmas Eve I have not felt like running at all first of all because of Christmas and I just used that as an excuse and then because of all the crap I've been going through just not felt motivated to go out the door and run and I actually did the 54321 run thing Brilliant. out the door and I did it thank you Mel Robbins thank you indeed <laughs> and uh, when she's been listening honest I will we'll tag her in and make sure she does <laughs> but I am um, I when I was running and I you know I've read books where this happens to people it's the only time that it stopped temporarily the big conversation and debate that's going on in my head and I did feel temporarily better I had two um big kind of moments where I thought I was going to cry on my run which had a look absolutely hideous I already had messy eggs I've not oh, is this it. coming from the person that's not vain <laughs> <laughs> I, I had messy air right because I'd not brushed it yeah and you know what my hair's like in the morning it really does look like a tree's been sat on my head done it yeah right so I had messy hair but I was bright red because it's the first one I've done and I did a full 5k so I was out of breath but also I had tears in my eyes and I thought honestly people are just going to think I've escaped from an institution would you like your little rocky movie <laughs> oh yeah on the beach <laughs> but no I, yeah it was like that again I became a bit overwhelmed and then to top it off in my ear Wilson Phillips hold on comes on so yeah I'm yeah a bit shit really <laughs> it's just do you think weather has got... I know there's a lot of reasons why you should feel shit and there's a lot of reasons why I should feel shit and there's probably a lot of reasons why everyone listening should feel shit. Yeah. And normally we're quite good at turning them around and focusing on the benefits and the positives. But do you think the cold and the damp and the floods and the... You know, like... The state of the, the world. The state of the world so, so awful. It's bloody awful. And I don't normally watch the news and things because I know it makes me sad. You need to sad. switch it off again. I, I get happy magazines. Like, I don't watch anything that makes me sad. And I've watched a lot of stuff. Why are you doing that to yourself? Well, because I, I don't know what else to do. 
nobody really does impact on you. And no, I, I know. You were doing that. I'm quite cross at you. <laughs> no, I have. I've, I've watched the news a few times. Well, I'm going to ban you. Okay, but I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, I am, because it, it really, really makes me sad. And I was, uh, because a lot has been going on, and I'll just say briefly, right, I don't know how quick I can say this, but basically last weekend when I was in on my own. Oh, don't um, worry, I may feel sad again. <laughs> but I was sat in on my own, all the kids were out, and a brick came through my front window while I was sat right next to it. And I looked well, I didn't. I ran into. Oh, I was so rubbish. I'm not good in a drama, right? Don't ask me to be good in an emergency. I'm brilliant because I just ran into my kitchen, going, ah, ah. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. And then I thought, oh my god, I've left my phone. So I ran and got my phone and like rang the police who haven't been, and it's oh. like, and they're not coming apparently. But um, yeah, so it's really kind of affected me to be honest that time and sorry it, I'm still laughing about your scream <laughs> oh, it, it was so pathetic honestly I like I nearly rang you before the police if I'm honest I and I was did. like no I didn't I definitely rang the police and, they, and I was all shaky and it was just very weird and um, don't worry everybody we kind of think we know who it is I think it's like my son's girlfriend's ex-boyfriend long story <laughs> but yeah um, but it's uh, affected me a lot more than I thought it would have become a little bit jumpy and why, why You've were you saying not this been good though, yeah. have you? She, she really hasn't been very good at all. No, that's all you were saying. You were just saying about how you've had a shit week. No, I wasn't. I was saying something else. She's forgotten. This is happening more and more yeah, frequently. You know what? It is happening very, very frequently. Anyway, yeah, that's it. I've had a shit week. Should we, we move on? <laughs> yeah, well, while we're right, I'll tell you a bit about my shit week and all because then it might make you all feel a bit better. So I've been in court this week. <laughs> Which I had to go to. She did. She was a brilliant support and and uh, yeah, I was up in court. Um, I won't go into the details of it, and I can't go into the details of it because it is in court. But yeah, that was crap as well. I haven't done anything wrong. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I didn't think you were going to add that bit. She's not a criminal. No, I'm not. I was actually defending myself against a big establishment. Oh, I'm really sorry. I've remembered what we're going to say. Oh, go on, carry on. So I was thinking, right, when that happened, and then I've been driving about, and I drove my car the other day, and a guy, I was. I'd stopped and he wasn't happy that I'd oh, stopped so yeah. we were beeping and shouting all these obscenities at me and I what just looked call, yeah. at, it said the C word <gasps> the worst one like, yeah it's a really bad word you like, hate it don't you? yeah and I knew I shouldn't take it personally because he just saw the car he didn't see me it wasn't aimed at me he was just a very angry man <laughs> but then it got me thinking right about, if you're listening angry man stop drinking it helps he won't be listening not not where I will park because he won't be listening to the sober experiments <laughs> <laughs> but um, it just got me thinking about how horrible some people are and that's not like me I really you really always see the best I concentrate on the positives and I, and I really do but this last week I've been like that man was horrible the people that did that to my window are, are horrible other people are horrible that there's lots of horrible people and i've found found that it's just been consuming me and i've found it so hard to switch around because there is so many amazing wonderful people for and there's always something someone to be grateful for yeah. but sometimes it's really hard isn't it yeah and I think the thing is as well we were just talking about this and we will introduce our um, guest in a few minutes um, but I think what what you've got to remember and got to realise is that sobriety doesn't bring magic yeah. and we were just talking about it weren't we and it really doesn't bring magic you know your life doesn't suddenly get better what there's two there's two sides to look at this when you're not drinking and bad stuff happens you really feel the bad stuff it really impacts on you because you're not numbing it out but 
the clarity that comes with sobriety means you can face it and we're both here now and we're recording this podcast not at our best not at our high and we decided to talk about these things with you because we want you to see that you know what shit happens and we've said it before and you know you can't blot it you shouldn't blot it out i know that the end result of what i've been through and what lisa's just been through will come good and nothing lasts forever it all passes it does and i know we hear this a lot in the sobriety community and recovery community especially but like this too shall pass it's yeah that's right yeah. i wanted to say though i don't know oh, sure that, no. that, 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 do you know what that is that's off like lord of the rings with his staff yeah that's oh right. shoulder pass yeah. <laughs> but this too shall pass and it's so true and like just to really repeat what you're saying shit happens it's how you deal with it and i know for a fact that had i been drinking i would be in such a different space thank god if i thought this week had been shit it'd be a lot lot shit it would as would mine it'd been awful so yeah we're not always all floating around on pink fluffy clouds although um is it really weird that I looked down then and saw my book and thought thought, this is like a pink fluffy cloud that we're on (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we are always floating around on pink fluffy clouds (laughs) but you know as well even though we've been absorbed in our own things I've got to say that when I think back now at this point and I didn't know I was going to say this and review the week actually we've really been there for each other yeah we have we have so we're very lucky we're best friends oh, we're we? getting one of those we're moments so again lucky. you wanted to hug me then didn't I you did. <laughs> I've already hugged you once today and that was inappropriate yeah enough. it was let's just get on with it <laughs> <laughs> so what um, we want to do now is introduce our guest who is Laura Willoughby from Club Soda so hi Laura hi Laura are you two are you two all right yeah so you obviously you've met me alex and then this is yeah. half of us lisa hi nice to see you lisa and you as well i was gutted i couldn't come to um, the mindful drinking festival so well, i think we'll be doing some more stuff in manchester this year so let's um uh watch this space as the answer that's part of what we've been to the states to talk about and stuff like that so we'll see Oh, brilliant. I love that you go to the States to talk about what you're going to do in Manchester. Uh, I know, that sounds very glamorous, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The weather's been really bad where you are, hasn't it, as well? Uh, in London? Yeah. Or in the States? Yeah, I don't know, we've not been here. <laughs> well, it has, it, poor Simon Chapel had a tree brought down in his garden and it went onto next door's van. Yeah, well, he's not London, is he? Because clearly he's got a garden. What the fuck's that about? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he says, he's not London, right? He's no, he's got a garden. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the posh parts. <laughs> yeah, the posh commute about. <laughs> not, not plaster in the East End. Not even the hipster bit. Right, let's go off from it, Laura, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I've been dying to talk to you because I've seen a lot of um, your stuff, well, all over the internet, isn't it, Club Soda? But what I want to know, Laura, is who was Laura before Club Soda? Uh, well, um, Laura was, uh, I. well, um, I, I'm a, somebody who's always been a long-term campaigner and activist in my community. That's exactly who I am. And so from the the age of 14, I was a community activist, um, was secretary of my local community association at 14 and all of those sort of things. So everything that I did really from 14 onwards um, was about campaigning for things to change. I got elected 
to my local council um, in London um, and stood for Parliament several times and all of that sort of stuff. So my, I very much my, I, I'm an activist nature, which is, I guess, you can see that in the way that we've shaped Club Soda into something that isn't. It's neither one thing or the or the other. It's very difficult to explain in business terms because we're not really a service in the purest sense of the word. We're not really a campaign in the purest sense of the word. But um, uh, yeah, that's my back. I am, you know, whenever you do all those personality tests, right? I come out really high on the activist do uh, all of that sort of stuff um, uh, side of things, um, which I think is quite important because it it's it, what, what I did for career and what I did with my time really defined who I was. And um, I drank, you know, in the last few years of, of drinking, it began to rob me of that identity. And so it's why I, I think it's really sometimes important to know the nature of who you are and the personality type you are and understand what it is that drives you and motivates you because often that could be the reason why your drinking has escalated and was certainly the issue for me. You can lose that, can't you? You definitely do lose yourself, I think, when you're drinking. But I love that um, you're an activist. I want to do one of them tests. So, <laughs> so uh, there's all sorts of personality tests. There's like millions of them you can do online. There's currently a book out called um, um, Surrounded by Idiots, which, put, which puts all the same theories but into another set of tests. And Yussi was doing it the other day. He just points at it and went, yeah, you're yellow. I went, thanks. <laughs> I'm really easy to stick in that personality box, I think. Um, but, I mean, what has to be said is, is um, beginning to understand my personality type is a really good route into understanding why and how you may drink. And particularly for me, I was an extreme sport drinker. So it was seeing how far I could push it every evening um, and still manage to function the following day. So that explains a little bit about how I, I was as a drinker, but also about what was what was going to get me out of the situation I was in that made me drink more than I really wanted to. And, you know, I ended up in a job that I didn't enjoy, that I wasn't proud to tell people that I was doing. Um, and so I needed to get out of that job. But I kept thinking I couldn't get out of that job until I dealt with my drinking. But actually, I needed to get out of the job first. Yeah. so um there isn't any order to these things um you'll have different epiphanies at different times but I've also since giving up written an article about how basically changing my drinking has um really brought me back to my values and I feel like I'm the person I was when I was elected at 23 onto the council and for me that's really important because you know I'm I'm a people person other other people energize me um, that's you know really important to me. Being able to go and solve problems for people was part of really what was a big part of my identity. And uh, you know when I was drinking at my heaviest, but before I gave up, I began to think that that was a mistake. That wasn't me, and I was just fooling and deluding myself. But that isn't what was happening at all. What I was doing I was drinking so much, I'd completely lost who I was. Mm -hmm. So you know we, you know you need to go back to that. You know that 20 year old you, if it was, you know, even though you might have been drinking quite heavy as a young person, um, I was still far more uh, aware of who I was back then and what I wanted to do and the ambitions I had for myself. And maybe really retracing back the things that you enjoyed, the things that energized and motivated you might give you a clue as to the person that you really want to be going forward. And if you can focus on who you want to be going forward, that will keep you more motivated than just saying, right, that's it, I've got to quit and, and that's it. And I'm going to do this and I've got to quit. Rather than going, 
you know, I need to quit because I want to, you know, do art like I've, you know, there are people in Club Soda who have done so many things. They, they've, they've picked back up art that they left, you know, when they were 21 or they've decided that, you know, being a better grandparent than they were a parent was now really important to them or any of those things. And suddenly the, the change in your drinking has a bigger meaning and a bigger, bigger focus and that will keep you motivated longer. I think the thought at first of quitting drinking can be scarier than the actual stopping drinking, can't it? When you first stopped, did you find it easy? Well, um, I think part of the reason why I've, I've set up Club Soda to not be very specific about goal is because, like you, I probably tried to moderate 50 million times. Those moderations all lasted with, I'm going to moderate next week, and then um, saying that when you've got a hangover, and then the day after, when you're feeling better, going, ah, oh, well, I'm all right now. That's as far as my moderation got. But I think, you know, I never... I never think that people have one rock bottom. It, that's the sort of a big myth, really, unless you've done something that, that you can characterize that. What you have is a load of little things that begin to build up into a pattern. And, you know, I knew my job was making me miserable and something had to change there. And I knew that was part of, the, of that misery. But I also began to scare myself a little bit. You know, there was a rugby weekend where, you know, the rugby was on the TV, but it was in some country, which meant we were all in the pub at 9 a.m., I drank solidly for a weekend and by the Monday I was really scaring myself. I was shaking and I was, I just felt horrendous. Um, I broke my leg um, six months before I gave up. I actually thought it was a lot sooner, um, a lot a bigger gap between breaking my leg and giving up. But um, a memory popped up um, a couple of months ago and I thought, ah, <laughs> actually that was quite big. I, and I got a cat. Um, and God, cats don't like the smell of alcohol in your breath. You know, the cat used to always turn away from me. Um, oh, so maybe it's... I love your cat. I, wouldn't, I love mine, but I wouldn't know that. <laughs> well, you know, he was a brand new kitten. And on the first day, you know, somebody else looked after him. And I went out to meet a friend for a drink. And I came back and picked it up. And this cat just went, <laughs> um, And uh, although I've, you know, given him up in order to start Club Soda. But he's now somewhere in Luton killing all of the local wildlife. Um, so, you know, it's, it's that mixture of things all together. And so I can honestly say that I probably didn't know that I was going to give up forever, but I knew I was going to give up. So that word forever wasn't there. Um, and what I did is I went on, I, I will tell you this, I don't always tell this story, but I booked an Alan Carr Easy Way one day course. And it's because I'd had the book forever It'd been on my shelf forever. I didn't have a cover on it anymore because I thought I'd read it on the tube um, and I didn't want people to see me reading it, but I still never read it. That shows you how long ago it was actually that I started thinking about changing drinking because I had so many self-help books and never managed to read them. They're all pre-Kindle and um, some of them have red wine stains on them (laughs) and all of that sort of stuff. Um, So I thought, you know, I, I do better when I'm sat in a room with other people learning. The idea that I'm going to sit on my own and read a book from end to end and not ch- and change my drinking isn't really going to work. So I didn't want to go to the local drug and alcohol services. I knew where they all were. Mm. And so I went on this day. I came out fuming, so angry about how awful and unethical it was. that I honestly believe that's um, why I, I don't drink anymore because I came out with a, another, another piece of anger to do something with. But I, but I had done 
uh, by accident, a whole load of really good behavior change things. So a few weeks before I went, I told my friends that I was going to do it. I've, I've put a day aside. I was going to go and change my drinking. And the look of relief on their faces was amazing. Um, there's a longer, more complicated and quite amusing story on that day I told everybody. But uh, let, let's just say... I, I woke up next to somebody the next morning who gave up with me at the same time. Um, um, so, <laughs> so it's even more complicated than that. But anyway, but you know, meeting somebody, it's like those, that these things are meant to be. I also decided that I'd also come to the conclusion that there was no good time. And so I actually gave up two weeks before my birthday. And so suddenly when you realize that it doesn't matter what's coming up on the horizon, there'll always be an excuse. And so, um, and what a new relationship is very good for is, of course, it, it immediately changes your natural environment. Yeah. You've got something else to be excited about, a new person. And you, uh, I spent a lot of time at their house and we got very excited about herbal teas, all this crap. Um, they, um, they gave up with me. So, you know, that was really awesome. And so I accidentally did some good things. I set a day. I focused the whole day on it. I told friends and kept myself accountable. I had somebody to buddy me. I suddenly found new things to be excited by. And then actually she fell off the wagon a few times and it was hideous. And that scared the crap out of me. And so um, by default, she helped very much by falling off the wagon on behalf of both of us. <laughs> um, but I also began to feel very good very quickly. Um, so I came out stomping my feet. I'm very angry that the Alan Carr Easy Way basically has people in the room who are clearly dependent drinkers and just sends people away without any advice and support um, and the wrong information, in fact, which it could be dangerous. Um, Laura, sorry to interrupt. That's making me mad because I loved that book. Yeah, I know. I used the easy way to stop smoking about seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And it completely helped with my mindset. And then, so I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to try that with drinking amongst all the other ones but that I read. for you and me because we weren't dependent in the stereotypical way of being dependent. And I think that's the important... Well, dependence and medical, you know, once you're dependent on alcohol, that's a medical and it's dangerous. It's part of why I set up Club Soda because I realise there's lots of stuff in this space with people who aren't qualified and not realising that, that um, alcohol is more dangerous to detox from than any other drug. Yeah. And you can die. Yeah. And if you're physically dependent, and there, were, there was a guy in the room who would just come straight out of hospital and the doctor said not to drink again because if he did, he would die. And, and he didn't need to be in an Alan Carr Easy Way room where basically a guy read out the, the book to you in the room for um, a day. He needed some proper support and advice and help. And the book's one thing, because that's, you know, you go into the, a book very much doesn't offer you any more promises than your ability to get from beginning to end. Um, but the um, going on a one day where you can see physically the people in the room and you don't give people any support or community, you don't care about following them up, and your only rationale for a 96% um, a um, success rate is based on the number of people who come back um, and redo the course if they've um, slipped in the first three months. Um, so, you know, there's lots of snake oil in this space. And it's really important that people um, understand that, um, that they don't have to spend lots of money to be cured. I suspect you went through lots of um, things like I did where you would go, I just wish I could um, be in a coma for a little while and I'll come out and I won't drink anymore and I'd yeah. be, you know, I'd be cured and somehow, because somehow we want to, we don't want that bit of hard work that's in the middle. But of course, unless you do the hard work, you won't stay 
sober anyway. You know, you yeah. need to go through all of that. You need to have done it yourself. Um, and so there's lots of people who, who try and promise quick fix. It's just the same as a diet. Um, but, um, and, and charge people a lot of money for it. And that made me very angry, which is where I got the idea for Club Soda from. So is that, is that kind of where Club Soda began for you? Was it kind of just thinking, you know what, I need to provide a service that can genuinely help people, send people who need a real kind of alcohol service to that service? Or, or was it a bit more kind of gradual? It was a bit more gradual. So first of all, I thought, why is it that you can turn up to the news agents and pick up a magazine about diet, but can't pick up anything about drinking? And so I pondered that question for a while. And then I pondered why, you know, as somebody who um, had commissioned the drug and alcohol services in my local area, I wasn't willing to use them. What was the difference? What was the identity and the difference there? And then basically what happened is um, a a small business program opened up for people coming out of the public sector to do something different. And I decided that I would apply for it and get a small business loan, which is what I did. And then um, I went on that program to take what was, you know, they want to take, take people who just had an idea. And through that process, we formulated the idea of, of something that felt a bit like Weight Watchers, but with booze. So that the idea that you can do a self-guided journey, that you have, um, that it's about building self-efficacy. And very quickly, we used um, University College of London's behaviour change taxonomy to guide how we wrote things and talked about things. So there are 96 potential behaviour change techniques. Wow. Some of them you'll know, like finding you for things as a behavior change technique, um, uh, withdrawing benefits as a behavior change techniques. There's lots of very punitive behavior change techniques. Telling you how bad things are for you is a behavior change technique. I didn't want to use any of those. I wanted to use all the ones around positive role modeling, around self-efficacy, around um, uh, creating a community of support, around the positives of change. After all, you know, I, anyone who comes to Club Soda comes because they've already decided they wanted to do something. They don't need to be told anymore that alcohol is bad for them. There's something that, you know, they already know. And so how could we take them from, action, from contemplation to action as quickly as possible? We're still not quite there yet because we've done it. We really have done it on shoestring funding. Um, I go to the States and meet Anna Grace and other people like that. And because the States has got a very different self-help market in the UK, I look at it and go, God, it's so much easier over there. But we, we've literally done it without, I mean, I've, I very early realized that there wasn't, I wasn't going to get any investment for this stuff because every time I did an investment panel, there was at least one man on the panel who had done AA and said, well, there's AA for free. Why don't you, why do you need anything else? I was like, definitely didn't fit with my identity. It didn't fit with how I, I see the world and definitely didn't fit with how I wanted to see myself in the longer term. I didn't want to see myself as an alcoholic um, with a disease. I wanted to see myself as somebody who didn't need alcohol anymore, which is, is how I see myself. Um, and, you know, for me, that's a really important distinction that there isn't a one-size-fits-all and who you get sober with is just as important as who you went to the pub with. And generally, I wouldn't have gone to the pub with most of the people that um, are in a room at AA. I went to some AA events after I gave up to see what they were like. They made me angry as well. Um, <laughs> not only not only because I'm banned, because I accidentally, I, I went with a friend 
And I took her some chocolates to as a reward at the end, and one of them was champagne cho- flavored chocolates, oh. and that's all they remember from that AA. And I was like, the chance of there being actually any champagne in this is so remote. Anyway, I mean, this is ridiculous. But anyway, but I also went to the LGBT one in London. I just thought there are some really, really damaged people here. There's some people who need some expert help, and and yes, this is a this is um, helpful to a degree because what I recognised was that community is a really important part of what AA is. You know, the meeting up for the coffee afterwards and having a sponsor and, and having a time and a place to go somewhere. But there needed to be more um, around those people, and and actually, it's why people. Um, I notice that you know, in Club Soda, people are on every Facebook group, are on in every community, uh, have read every book, and that's because you need more than one thing. Often, you need to immerse yourself in the subject, and and so we're definitely more. Uh, we, we we don't believe in monogamy when it comes to to the things that you can get help with your drinking from. You should just try it all, yeah. see what sticks and works the best. Can, can you? Um explain to me I, I'm I know I couldn't moderate there's no way I could moderate as you've just kind of alluded to earlier I tried numerous as did you numerous times to moderate and set myself boundaries and set myself rules and all I found was it oh made, you did more than me I'm sure I just said I'm going to moderate and then didn't didn't have any rules <laughs> well I had rules like things like oh I'll just drink half the bottle of wine tonight and then I'll save the next half for the next day but what I found was actually um and I and I again I don't identify with alcoholic or even dependent drinker but because I'd set myself rules and I am a rule breaker, I've always been a rule breaker and a bit of a rebel. What I would do is I'd set these rules and then think, ha, I'm going to have one more. And so I'd go into my kitchen and pour myself, honestly, they're just most pointless inch of wine just because I didn't want to live by my own rules to drink it. But that actually made me feel worse because then I'd wake up and think, why have I just sneaked a little bit more wine and a bit more alcohol? And the only person I'm sneaking to, uh, uh, sneaking <laughs> on is myself. <laughs> but, um, I, but I do that with food now, so I see the same patterns, you know, I'm not going to eat any bad food today. Oh, what? There's some free cake. Okay, it's free, so I have to have it. La, 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 exactly stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Like that. So, so how, how do you kind of, obviously you don't drink, but how do you kind of advocate and work towards people who want to be mindful drinkers? How, how do you do that and what's kind of the ethos behind it? Uh, well, it's very, it's very simple, which is, that it's, um, you know, I, it's not my job to tell anybody what to do. And people need to be given support wherever their mind is at this point in time. And if their point in time is still around moderating, then let's support them to moderate. Because you didn't get to alcohol-free without working out that moderating didn't work for you. Yeah. You know, until you did that, you wouldn't have known. Um, We do have some people who are successfully moderating, but I can tell you that they're working really hard at it. I don't want to work that hard at it. That's what I feel you know, like. Really yeah, they're, they're, they're not that, but you know, I, it's not for me to say if at the minute, the most comfortable identity for somebody coming into Cub Soda to say, right, I'm going to give moderation a go. Then let's work on giving them moderation a go because all the behavior change techniques are broadly the same apart from they've actually got to do a bit more planning um, and set some rules and some boundaries. But unless they've tried that, they don't know what's possible. And I, it's very clear to me that, um, I definitely became a drinker. I had drunk so much so quickly so often that I was unable to stop once I started, but I didn't drink every day. But I do know there are people who come to Club Soda where that isn't their issue. Their issue is very different. 
their issue is they'll go weeks without and then they'll go on a, there'll be an emotional crisis and they'll go on a, on a bender suddenly for three days. And who am I to say that their, that their relationship with alcohol, you know, means that other things might not be possible for, might be possible for them, if you see what I mean. So, and certainly there are members who were never the type of drinker I was, but my, I had clearly, you know, screwed up my brain totally and my brain just had a complete automatic, um, you know, uh, wanting more, 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 more. So it really does depend on your starting point. It really does depend on your habits to begin with. It does depend on how committed you are to moderating. Um, I think everybody could really do with taking three months off, but I'm really happy to work with them on one month off if that's only where their head is. But three months for me, I think is, is the charm really. It's where things really begin to slot into place, but that's okay. Because at the end of the day, what do you say to somebody who's slipped up if they've been alcohol free for a month or two months and slipped up? They haven't failed. They have just learned something new again. And that's no different to people who are trying moderation and learning through that process as well. So, you know, and the worst thing I feel is, is that people have set themselves up to, to be alcohol free and then slip up and then consider themselves a failure. It breaks my heart because, of course, it's all a process. It's not it's not so so definite and it's not so linear it's not so binary that that you it's you know you have to think that you're a failure just because you've you know you fail you've you've drunk after two months alcohol free because that's a shame you've just devalued the whole of the two months that you've done so hard isn't it I think when you talk to people like that because I forget often what it was like in the early days but I was I'd set out initially to do 100 days and around day 30, 32, I went out with my husband at the time and kind of was pressured into drinking with him. You know, like we had um, some Prosecco and some gin and tonic and that actually, even when I was drinking it, it made me realise that I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. So that actually really helped me going forward. But then I find it really hard for people that keep doing that. You know, like they'll they'll stop and then they'll have a drink and then they'll do another 30 days and then they'll have I a know, drink. because because your natural instinct is to want to save them. Yeah. The hassle. And unfortunately, you can't do that for them. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I, this must be a bit like what it is to have teenagers where you see them making all the same mistakes you did and you just have to let them do that, Definitely. you know, and, and you, can't, you can't make other people do things the way that you did. Now, I would advocate for, you know, I believe, I advocate for alcohol-free as, as my choice of mindful drinking lifestyle. But, you know, you see my co-founder only drinks, you know, like two beers a month. Yeah. But that was after he did a year and a half off drinking and, and did lots of other things in his life that meant that that's where his relationship is um, with alcohol. And, and Jen in our office, she she gave up for three years, but now has very clear rules. She won't drink shots and wine or um, spirits. She'll only have beer now because she that's the way that she can manage it. And I really respect that decision because she's, you know, 15 years younger than me and I do think it's very different if you're in your early 20s when you make that decision about what the rest of your life is going to look like and you've got you know time to develop and grow as a person and make and feel strong enough about the decisions that you make Um, 
So, so yeah, unfortunately we can't save everybody by just telling them that this is how they should do it. I know, but I really want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't. Um, I tried but, with my um, 21 year old and she keeps saying, mom, when I'm older, I will stop, you know, and I'm like, right, okay. But if you wanted to give it a go, <laughs> and I'm like, I've, I've, yeah, I've got to kind of really pull away and just, you know, you don't have to. Um, I mean, we did a survey of club soda members on average, they influence three other people or to um, change their drinking habits just by being a good role model without saying anything. And that change, largely people talk about people cutting down rather than going alcohol-free like them. But obviously there'll be people that ask them on Facebook, oh, I see you've gone alcohol-free, particularly when they finally come out on Facebook and tell people that that's how they now identify. But, <laughs> um, but generally they've influenced other people to moderate. So um, that's a bit like, if you don't believe people can moderate, that's like saying, well, I'm going to spend the whole rest of my life believing that everyone else um, is is deluded and and they can't possibly do it when of course there are people in our lives who who will be able to you know I'm in awe of people who you know can can take or leave alcohol in the evening I know I still can't um, moderate because I look at people who leave half a glass of wine in a restaurant and go how how do they do that I, I don't know. Only the other week I went out and I watched um, a mum and daughter having food together and they shared a bottle of wine and honestly I couldn't take my eyes off this this wine because they had a full glass for ages they had the starter they had the main course and they, they still had like a full glass of wine I was looking over like how have they done that that's why you know you can't moderate <laughs> yeah. but yes yeah, so there is people yeah, that can do it can you tell us a little bit about your book and events as well because I think that's really important because there's so many people and it's not only your own events the other services that you offer for people who want to run events and have club sodas kind of um support yeah so um I feel you know being collaborative is a natural state of being for me it's what I enjoy the most you know uh, unsurprising being somebody who is motivated by spending time with other people so um we do a lot of things we've got our own courses and we're about to launch some new courses that we've written this year we got some funding from the welcome trust last year to do some research on what worked about Club Soda. And so we built that into both the book and the courses. And so the book's called How to Be a Mindful Drinker. It's dirt cheap on Amazon at the moment, but I do highly recommend um, getting the audio version because um, a whole book has been written by the Club Soda community, so everyone contributed. And there are case studies in it. And on the book, everyone reads their own bit. Oh, and so we all went into the studio and did the recording. And there's some bonus material, so I interview people and there's an American version and a UK version and I, I failed in New York this week to go to find the British version the American version um so uh, and it's definitely it's not it's not one of the, the books which shares my story although there are lots of stories in it it's a very practical book about getting started um how to set goals for yourself how to deliver on those goals, really, how to deal with all of the issues that will come your way, how to um, think about what you want to do in the longer term and that sort of stuff. So there's lots of worksheets and all of that sort of stuff to go through, which is definitely what I wanted to um, write in this space. So so do get it. Um, I don't mind if you spill one on it like I used to, the self-help books, but... Um, uh, but just having it in in your home means that you can you know that it's there, and it's definitely a really good companion to all those other books that are available in this space at the minute. 
Yeah. And then when our courses come out this year, um, there's um, that's the next iteration of those. So we'll be able to do um, a lot more intensive support. Sorry, I'm bad for interrupting. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, I can just keep talking. That's how it works. <laughs> you don't need to interrupt me. No, she does it with everybody. It's just a thing, and so I do it as well to try and stop her doing it. Oh, we end up just being too butterin' us. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But just saying, even having the book sometimes, for people, if you don't feel ready, having yeah. that book on the shelf, it's just there, isn't it? In yeah, the it looks at you, it makes you feel guilty. Yeah, it does. I used to do it. Oh, I've got loads of books that make me feel guilty. <laughs> and it really gives me to, to work on it because you are right that the further away you get from when you first gave up, and it's now nearly eight years for me, wow. you begin to forget how it was at the very beginning. But I have to tell you that eight years on, I still have drinking dreams. And and I actually also dream that I'm getting particular club soda members drunk. It's not like <laughs> I'm even getting myself drunk. I'm getting other people drunk, which is like the weirdest thing. And sometimes I still have um, tiny pangs. Um, they will come really randomly and I haven't ever worked out um, any pattern to them. Um, but, you know, I notice them with curiosity and go, wow, where did that come from? Yeah. You know, it's normally actually a very small, intimate dinner occasion where I'd like to have wine with a meal, I think. But, you know, I just recognize it and know that it's not an order. Um, but, um, but, yeah, so it was good to write it and to be able to remember the beginnings of that. And, of course, it is behavior change at the end of the day. So if you're trying to, to be fit or to do a diet, some of the, the things are very similar. And so... You can employ that for other things. Like you could do find a replace with the word cake <laughs> in it and it will probably work quite well. If you find a replacement for cake that is as good, please let me know what it is. Oh, no. Uh, that You can try everything, can't you? What did I? What was I eating that I thought that um, was doing well? You, rice cakes with um, almond butter on does for a little while. Yeah. I like almond butter. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. But then but then you just realise it's not cake. <laughs> it's really weird, isn't it? I think we're all a little bit the same, um, quite excessive. So if we've been excessive with alcohol, you kind of find that people become quite excessive with food as well. Well it's quite it's quite well it um food um affects dopamine levels in the same way as alcohol and obviously sugar definitely does so it's unsurprising that um we all we particularly in the first three months your sugar intake goes up quite heavily anyway so that's not a surprise and you know i never ate dessert when i was drinking because why do you eat dessert when you can have another glass of wine right exactly. so um so you know i now see it as my thing like i will have the dessert whenever i go out i start with the desserts first and have a look at what i'm going to have at the end and then work backwards <laughs> i have to stop that but that's because my brain's going Ooh, a little hit of sugar a little hit of dopamine la la la, la. um you know yeah i'm so, and then you can emotionally eat and you can um, eat through boredom and you can do all of those things too so it's not a surprise but I can tell you, you, you can only moderate when it comes to eating. Going food-free is not recommended. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't go yeah. completely food-free. No, I, I found that I've realised I'm a real control freak more than being a foodie. You know, like everything has to have its place and its order. And I've created my own sort of sense of anxiety through stopping drinking because I want everything to be controlled and ordered and done in the right way. And I get agitated when it's not. 
Yeah. Now you're going to have to learn to let some of that go. But, but you rec- see what you've just described, though, is recognizing something about yourself yeah. that was hidden before. And now you can work on it. And I do think giving up drinking is like a <clears throat> hundred little epiphanies. Right. So I've learned so much about myself, the things that make me angry, how I can get really obsessed by something that's upset me and not let it go. And I can begin to work on those now. Whereas before, the only answer was to drink. Yeah. And the drink made me feel worse. So, so those things about yourself, you can recognize and deal with. So from anxiety to, to all sorts of other issues, you now have the brain power and the energy to be able to do something about it. It's so true. It really is. It's just giving up drinking has been the key to so many different things in my life. Not all of them good, I'll be honest. You know, sometimes I found that stress, I've not known how to cope with stressful situations because I was a relief stress with a glass of wine, which is really ironic because as we know, it doesn't relieve stress at all. Um, But you only learn that afterwards. So I'm really trying to learn how to deal with stress, how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with boredom, how to deal with being sad. Um, yeah. yeah. And eight years on, I'm still learning. So you won't get it all at once, but, um, unless you give up drinking, you can't begin to unlock all of those things. So you may not become a marathon runner in the first year of giving up drinking, but unless you give up drinking, you can't become a marathon runner five years after giving up drinking, if you see what I mean. So yeah. we, we all, we're all very impatient, me more than anybody, to be fair. I'm incredibly impatient, which is why Club Soda does so many things. And of course, I've already distracted ourselves from talking about those, haven't I? So I'm going to come back to those. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, you can't do any of the, unless you start with that one key thing, you can't do anything else. So, yeah. So what was I, what was I talking about? I was talking about, oh, yeah, so we've got yeah. our courses. Yeah, then we've got the festivals. The festivals came out of a piece of research that we did really soon after we set up Club Soda when people said to us that there wasn't anything good to drink in pubs and bars. And back in 2015, there wasn't anything. No, and so we did a piece of research called Nudging Pubs, which you can still actually see online. It's called nudgingpubs.uk, which looked at how you change the behavior of venues rather than the behavior of the customers. And um, from that, we built Club Soda Guide, which is now on its second iteration, which is our pub and drinks guide. So we're going to clubsodaguide.com. You'll see the ones that we have in Manchester at the moment. And, but we've been working with chains nationally and, um, and locally to do that and do pub crawls around areas and stuff like that, mindful pub crawls. And then out of that came the festival because suddenly I, we began to discover where all these drinks were and thought that we really needed to find a way to bring them together. So we did our first festival in 2017, mm. um, and now we've done seven, mm. and hoping to bring it out of London again this year. But we're still doing everything by, you know, the seat of our pants, really. So if we get a bit of money, I can do stuff. And so I keep spending my time going around asking people for money to do things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we've got our student stuff that we're doing as well. So our Be Rebel AF campaign, which is about normalising asking for an alcohol-free drink. Yeah, um, and we just, yeah, and so there's, um, yeah, we um, we're not short of ideas. There's lots of things I want to do, but I'm banned from having any more ideas until <laughs> so we can actually afford to do some of them, rather than trying to do them or ask about it, which is my <laughs> speciality. Um, so yeah, so the book, the courses, the guide, and um, the festivals, and then um, we have some small member events in Club Soda. 
and we've been running them for a few years um, and it's all based on members volunteering to do something in their local area and we tend to do lunches because it means that people can get a train in from wherever they are and and it feels more relaxed um, but um, but they're very small and that's sort of what we do but I now want to make sure that we can send people to everyone else's events because events are hard work um, you all know this um, and it isn't actually what I anticipated doing when I set up Club Soda. And it's one thing doing a lunch, but it's another putting on a cocktail evening or the pub calls take an awful lot um, yeah. of work. And um, we've done a few of those. And, um, and so I don't, and a bit like changing your drinking, there isn't one size fits all when it comes to events and different people are doing different things. And um, it's, so we've opened up the website so you guys can put your events up and so people can find the sort of a more comprehensive listing of what's going on. And particularly because people always, I mean, you know, people are lovely that they email you and say, well, can't you do something in, in Manchester or can't you do something in Leeds? You say, yes, I can, but we, we need people who want to come. Yeah. And you'll find the people that ask you and the people who don't turn up in the end. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, and, you know, you actually need until we had something like 20,000 members getting the social going, even in London was difficult. Yeah. So, um, so people don't understand that, that the idea that, that there's a social near them is all okay, but they may be the only person in their area who might be willing to trip up to an event at the moment because you need a volume of people interested in the subject locally to make it all happen. Um, so the fact that um, people are putting on events around the country, so there's quite a lot of different people doing stuff is great. And so I'm happy to send our members because they need to, you know, meeting other people is like the behaviour, the, the, it's like the kale of behaviour change. It's a superfood behaviour change. And so as many opportunities as possible are really important. I think meeting like-minded people that aren't drinking has been such an essential part of my sobriety. Okay. Um, I remember in the early days feeling I just felt on my own. The only thing that I had was Instagram and Facebook groups. They was like yeah. such a huge help and they really are. And that's where um, a few of us created Be Sober Manchester. And that absolutely saved me just to meet people in the same mindset that just get it but also it's really interesting because in 2015 I set up a meetup group in Manchester for a sober meetup and loads of people joined and then no one turned up to anything I did lots of sitting in pubs on my own so so we so you know it just wasn't the right time then I think definitely something's clicked in the last few years but yeah, we had we had loads of people sign up um, in Scotland and in Manchester, and then I would go and organise these socials, and then I'd sit in a pub on my own. It's sort of why you need to charge an admin fee because people like to say yes, but unless they've committed something and have technically bought a ticket, so you can communicate with them about the event and what to do if they feel anxious and all that sort of yeah. stuff. People don't turn up. We did. I thought New York might be different. We did an event in New York, and and still three people didn't turn up. Really, it's so difficult. We found that with our London one, haven't we? Yeah, really struggled. And everybody's like, come to London, come to London. And then we've gone like, right. And it's just really difficult. It's such a slog. And, you know, we've got it advertised with you. We've got other people who are on our line. I know, I know. And it's um, a slog. Yeah. Yeah, We're not doing anymore. We we can have a whole other conversation about, about that. And... 
and how hard it is to put on events, but it's a lot harder than people think. And so, so any of the listeners to this particular podcast need to know that, you know, just because, um, you know, um, there isn't food and it might only be a table booked in a pub, the amount of time it takes just to get six people together in a pub. Yeah, definitely. And um, no one should object to paying a small um, admin fee to help make that happen because, um, and funny enough, it's the people that don't turn up that take the most time. Yeah, there is. They, they often, yeah. So, um, and I, I totally get why people might not turn up. They might have a hangover, which has happened, you know, because <laughs> they, they've fallen off the wagon. They booked it at a time when they felt very confident um, about where they were. Um, and life happens, right? Um, and I've, I've learned not to take it personally. Yeah. Like people don't like me. I've learned not to take it personally and that people, particularly people um, changing their drinking might have all sorts of issues around anxiety. So um, that's fine. But um, don't get upset that um, organisers like yourself might actually charge a small fee to make stuff happen because it will take a large amount of time. Yeah, I mean, even definitely. in London, people message me to ask which tube stations are nearest as if somehow the internet doesn't exist. <laughs> and a really clear map on the tube and they don't, uh, and as if they don't live in London, which they do. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. So there we are. That's people. We're all weird. You know that, right? Yeah, we are we're weird. All, we're all weird. weird. <laughs> I just want to say, my, um, I wish my, my dad was sober. He, he died 11 years ago, actually, of cirrhosis of the liver, but he was sober for 10 years before he died. So I kind of have mass, I, I know it's nothing like, but I've got masses of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Admiration. Masses <laughs> of admiration for you because you started Club Soda and started doing events when no one else in the UK was. And actually, Manchester is probably, as you say, about five or six years behind London. So Manchester's only just catching on. My dad went sober 20 odd years ago and had no one and nothing to turn to. So I kind of know where you were coming from in the way you set it up. So just on a purely personal note, I just think what you're doing is amazing and what you have done is amazing. Thank um, you. It's still a hard slog and, really and people, yeah, people don't understand that it's, it's very difficult to do when there's no public funding for any of this stuff. Um, and when in Britain we don't really invest in our own self-care very well and so that you're stuck in between that place where people think somebody else should be paying for what you do yeah um but you know we have had some great meetups in manchester i'm hoping we'll do some more stuff this year um and we run queers that beers in manchester which is really successful as well so that gets about 40 to 50 people every month um which is great well, you can count us into your Manchester event. Both of us will be there. Yeah, 100%. don't worry. Um, I'll be talking to you. That's what collaboration is all about, right? Which is that, you know, um, we all need to help each other make these things work. And it's a little bit, and then it makes it a little bit easier, but also more fun. Because if, no, if nothing else, you know that the four of you are going to turn up, right? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's at least going to be us three. Um, and then also, you know, we've got members in Manchester now who have been sober for so long. They've moved on now. They're not, don't want to talk about this anymore. They've yeah, they kind of just life. And, that's, and that's absolutely okay. It feels a bit weird, but it's absolutely okay. Well, we will be there and we will be dragging and bringing, not dragging because they won't be kicking and screaming. They'll be quite happy no. to come, But we've got a whole host of people who will definitely want to meet you, oh, Laura. Oh, the Beast of a Manchester tribe will be definitely up for it. But yeah. Yeah, and I'll, oh. I'll, keep, I'll keep you in touch. But um, yeah. we, we try not to be London-centric, but there's definitely something about the, the volume of people in London that 
means that it can at least make things work and you can try stuff out there before you take it somewhere else and you know doing the festival in Glasgow after doing it in London is a very was a very different thing you know getting people through the door was hard hard work yeah <laughs> whereas in London <laughs> reputation haven't they <laughs> yeah yeah but in London it was you know it, it got a lot of media but in London you know it's a lot easier so um but at least London can make money for us to do it elsewhere which is the important thing oh really so what's next then Laura well um uh we're launching our courses and then we um we've just been to New York to talk to people about the guide and how we might be able to make that a global guide. So, um, and one way we might, um, look at that is to see, um, if we can target one part of the UK and, and do an experiment on how we might scale it if we were to do it internationally. So I'm really excited about that because that's been a, an ongoing project and, and that in itself has got lots of behavior change underneath it but we're trying to change the behaviour of venues, not of individuals. So uh, for me, that's quite exciting. I love that. Um, I love the little cards that you had as well. when you. Yeah, so I, I wanted to do more with that. But these cards, the, the ones that you can give out when you go to venues that say, thank you, you're awesome, join the guide, or times are changing. Have you thought about stocking more alcohol free? That I want to do more brilliant. around all of that stuff. They're free to get those cards on our website. So, um, so people can order those. Um, and t-shirts and and all sorts of bits and pieces on club so oh, we badges love merchandise like <laughs> uh, I, I absolutely well merch is one of those other things that people ask for and then you produce something and they don't want it and I and I find merch quite difficult anyway because I'm not a t-shirt wearer with logos and on because um, I've got big knockers right and the t-shirt <laughs> with a big with a big word on the front tends to stretch quite a lot and I don't like it <laughs> Um, so, and I don't want to create more waste in the world. So we've, um, we've, we've always, um, been very, uh, weird about merch, whereas other people produce loads. We, we just had a badge, but we've now got the cards, the sober hack packs and the t-shirts. So we've oh, got brilliant. Some. I'm definitely going to have a look at them. That's really cool. Uh, I think yeah. by making mistakes with lots of things like that, us, we've kind of realized what we're not going to do. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, and just you know, you need to know that that lots of people are going to buy something for you to to spend your time on it. Um, you do learn. I mean, that's the whole thing around starting up a business is is that you learn as you go along and try not to make too many mistakes that are too expensive, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I wish I could say we hadn't done that, but we have. Um, and it's a continual learning process, really. So I'm hoping there'll be more things for the guide this year. I hope we'll be able to take the festival outside of London. Um, and I want to be to find ways to adapt our website to make it more collaborative so that other people can um, put more events and other things on. I, I want to change the way we do our listings of events so people can find it a bit easier to find things in Manchester and stuff like that. And um, people are very lazy. They look at the first two pages <laughs> and then they don't go any further and you go, oh yeah, but once you've got, you know, the weekly Blossom meetup in London now that um, Freddie's trying, you've got to get a scroll on to go and see the Manchester stuff. So yeah. So yeah. But, um, but yeah. That's a whole so job in little. itself, the website. Yeah. And it takes so much time. These things that you think are small and won't take a lot, you know, all take lots of time. But 
you'll know that because even putting a podcast together takes time yeah it does but you know what we love this part and now I'm going to make you learn how to edit (laughs) you are welcome to leave me getting my lunch into the recording and if if you're going what are you on about that means that she has successfully edited the podcast and you you haven't heard me stopping for the lunch <laughs> we'll have to wait for the feedback won't we what did you have for your lunch when that bit's out you'll no, know yeah. fine. that's that's how how you'll know how far through the podcast people have listened definitely um, it'll come in yeah. as a random question we'll be talking about one thing and then you'll just hear me going what have you had for your dinner you <laughs> <laughs> have to keep it in now uh, cool thanks so, so anything fun. else anything else you want to ask I, I, I don't know I mean it's just like I say, for me, it's just the absolute journey that you've done. And you've done a lot of it alone. You've done, you know, obviously you've grown a lot since you started it, but you were what I would consider the pioneer of the sober circle in the UK. I would say that that is... Yeah, and it's, it's taken five years. It's taken five years and I'm, I'm very belligerent, which is probably one of my skills from being a drinker, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and and I, I was determined to make it work um, in the face of everyone telling me that it wouldn't. Um, so Lots we've got somewhere, not quite sure where that is. But, um, but yeah, there's a, what's changed in the last few years is amazing, really. The, the people and the events and... And the change in language and the openness to talk about this is really amazing. It's just brilliant. Well done, you guys. I'm really glad you're there in Manchester and the guys that are doing stuff in Cambridge are there. And, you know, it, it, it does make a difference. Well, let us know, please, if there's anything we can do to help make Manchester a success. We're in. Will do. Don't worry. I just want to ask you something. <laughs> Go on, then. If you could write anything on a billboard, <laughs> what would it be? Ooh, that's how I found that. It is, and I, I think, well, you're not going to get me writing. Um, it'll have to be done digitally. Yeah. Um, what would I write? Um, well, um, and I'm trying not to make it anything political. No, go um, on. I like political stuff. I'm, I like this little activist in you. <laughs> well,. I, I think it's um, one of my, I mean, there are a few of my favourite lines from when I first started Club Soda and was looking at the language that we use. And so one is, is that um, uh, I told you earlier, which is who we get sober with is just as important as who we went to the pub with. Yeah. And the other is, is we, we, get, we get drunk together, so why should you get sober alone? But I think the most important thing I want to do is to be able to tell people that, it's, um, that drinking isn't compulsory. Yeah. Somehow we've been brought up with the idea that it is. Yeah. Um, alcohol and children, we all think are compulsory, and, and neither are everybody. <laughs> so true. You can have that. Can I just say neither is marriage because we. Yeah. Yeah. yeah neither is marriage. <laughs> yeah. Um, if if you do search online, you will find some articles that I've written about marriage. Um, but anyway, so uh, so yes, but those none of those things are, compuls- are compulsory. We don't have to to travel that escalator that has been laid out where nobody has explained uh, the societal norms and that they, they aren't necessary. Yeah, you can also split yeah. up with people and, they, and no one has to have been the injured party and nobody has to yeah. be, um, you know, um, hated as a result. It could just be that things don't work. But we've been taught that, you know, breakups are meant to be horrible and that somebody's always at fault. And 
we make ourselves very unhappy sometimes. We've been through. taught so much crap, haven't we? About yeah. everything, about drinking, about food, about relationships, about... I'm a bit like you. I read something in particular or I go somewhere and it re- makes me mad and then I want to do like a full... I, activist on it yeah just to change it all um at the mindful drinking festival just briefly for the two little chats that we had i couldn't wait for lisa to speak to you because i know how many views that you've gone over today that she holds the same and i thought you just i know you know you well um, well, but after just those two (laughs) conversations i said to her you're gonna really like laura and she was like really i was like I promise you I've done a lot of nodding at the beginning of this (laughs) and I'm like oh yeah and then you've said stuff that I definitely would have said (laughs) so I've like not even been I've not had to say anything (laughs) well and but also you know um you've got your brain back which was the most important thing for me you can't do you can't take action on something if you feel tired all the time yeah and so for me um uh you know I can now um, make a decision whether I'm going to do something about something um because there's so many things that you could uh, take action on in the world at the moment and explore it and you know I set up Club Soda with Lucy and Drew who were my first two sober dates um and I was exploring polyamory so I was having a relationship with them both and we would all go for dinner and all those things and now we've got a business together which is hilarious ask where you find co-founders from I go well okay Cupid Hannah was on the the front of our website for a long while. I also met her when I was during that period of dating as well. So, you know, basically no one one gets to leave. It's like a hostage situation. (laughs) Entice them in with your sexuality and then keep them working for you. Great. I wasn't sure if it was sexuality, but certainly um, they didn't get to disappear. (laughs) In particular. I thought... Everything good uh, in my life I put down to sobriety. And I bet every single day I say to like my mum at work or you or if something good happens and I'm like, I don't want to say it again, but that wouldn't have happened if I drank. Well, you've <laughs> created the right circumstances for all those good things to happen. Yeah. And some bad shit will happen too, but I can yeah, guarantee well, you will yeah. get through the bad shit better. That's um, 100% so right. You can deal with it. It's not that it doesn't happen anymore. And I think people do think there's a little bit of a magic wand going to be waved that you go sober and nothing bad will ever happen again. But actually, I've had loads of shit happen to me since I went sober. But you know what? I've dealt with it head on instead of wallowing in a bottle of wine. We, we all want a magic wand. We oh, all want yeah. to, you know, the people who say, oh, why didn't I lose a stone in my first month? And I say, it's probably because you ate a load of gummy bears, to be honest, you know, <laughs> yeah. because that's what you need. But it's okay. You know, um, it took, you know, nine months for me to lose weight and then I've put it back on again. It's gone off again. It's gone on again. That's okay. I'm not drinking, which is the most important. Yeah, definitely. I haven't lost anything. Not a single ounce of weight. I'm going back to Slimming World on Saturday. Oh, there you are. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, Laura. Honestly, I think you need to probably go and get rid of your jet lag. Um, I need to, I need to go and eat my lunch yes you do I don't know where I put it it. (laughs) it's somewhere (laughs) that's it two things I thought would improve a change in my drinking my memory and sleeping with inappropriate people and neither of those things have got better so (laughs) it's obviously a true person I want your life (laughs) (laughs) no no you don't you really don't I'll console her now that she hasn't got your life for the next hour. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank Laura. you so really much. Grateful. I'll speak to you both soon. See you, you later. Bye. 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 Bye.